Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. This week on the show, we continue with our exploration of the Bhagavad Gita. We're on to chapter 15, exploring the Supreme Self. So as some of you uh, probably have noticed that um, I've been finding it really challenging to get the podcast out on Fridays. And so we're going to move to Mondays. That way I've got a little bit of time and space on the weekend to get it out to you. I also want to let you know that, uh, I've mentioned this before, that any kind of text studies that happen on the podcast are now going to happen as part of the text studies uh, it's a bonus feature, essentially, for the people who are full-time students in the Tattva's Yoga Studies program. Um, if you are not a full-time student, you can get access to those uh, text studies podcasts, which is where you'll find these Bhagavad Gita episodes as well, um, by just paying five bucks a month. Uh, it's like buying me a coffee for the month. Um, and that will help support me to continue to share what I'm sharing. Uh, if you want to go deeper, though, highly recommend becoming a full-time Tattva's Yoga Studies student. Um, yeah, so that's what you do. There are other ways to support the podcast and to support the work that I do, like tell your friends about the podcast or uh, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to us or give us a review or share us on social media. There's a lot of ways to support. And we're also going to start doing some calls on Thursday evening. I wanted to start uh, this week when you'll be hearing this episode. Uh, it will be November 28th. So I'm looking to start December 1st, but I think it's going to be more like December 8th just because there are some things that need to be in place. So beginning of December, we're going to start. Uh, again, if you're a full-time Tattvas Yoga student, you'll have access to those calls. If you want to join those calls and uh, have a look at your Ayurveda with me and just be a part of the community, um, but aren't able to make the full-time commitment, there's also the option to become a member of the Tattvas Satsang. And you can find out all about this by going to tattvasyoga.com, looking at the Tattvas Satsang, or looking at the full-time student program. Uh, those are some options. And also you can uh, become a member of the text studies on the website as well. So that's everything for announcements this week. Uh, also, I'm going to start teaching in Vancouver in December, so stay tuned at a place called Casa Kopal, and I continue to share tattvas at uh, Yoga Union in Tawasan, which is amazing, and if you would like the Tattvas Yoga Studies program in the city where you live, uh, just reach out, and we can set something up. Okay, without further ado, let's get into Chapter 15 of the Bhagavad Gita, right here on Revealing the Diamond. So, wow, we've really covered a lot of uh, ground in the exploration of this text, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've missed previous episodes, uh, please go back and listen to them or wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, so in this one, we're getting really into what the self is in Krishna's teachings on yoga. And in the 15th chapter, it opens with Krishna talking about uh, this Ashvata tree. And he says that the sages speak of this tree with its taproot above and its branches below, like an upside-down tree, kind of like the lungs inside of your body. And he says that on this tree grow the scriptures, seeing their source and, and knowing their essence. 
Nourished by the gunas, the limbs of this tree spread above and below. Sense objects grow on the limbs as buds. The roots hanging down bind us to action in this world. The true form of this tree, its essence, beginning and end, is not perceived on this earth. Cut down this strong-rooted tree with the sharp axe of detachment, then find the path which does not come back again. Seek that, the first cause from which the universe came long ago. And I often think about this upside-down tree in the relationship to the breath. Um, Guru Nanak said it like this, Pavan Guru, the breath is the teacher. Or if we look at how we practice uh, you know, a, a system like Ashtanga Yoga Vinyasa, uh, we, we think, oh, it's about the you know, strength and flexibility and what series are you on. And actually, it's not really about that at all. Uh, the breath is the key. And uh, the focus, where you look, the drishti is the key. And yes, there are asanas, and asanas are your connection to the earth, just like the tree is connected to the earth. And yes, there is vinyasa, there is the connection of the postures together by means of breathing. But how well you perform this is really not the point. And and he's touching on this by saying that you can cut down, uh, you know, this notion that you, you you know you need to perform a certain way with detachment like simply doing the practice because it has to be done not doing it to get some reward or to get some uh, validation but simply doing it because it must be done and in doing that you will be freed uh, from the constant striving uh, ego that is deluded by this notion of maya or separateness or otherness. And he goes on to say, you know, the one who is not deluded by pride, who is free from selfish attachment and selfish desire, beyond the duality of pleasure and pain. And we're working on that in the asana practice, right? It's like some things are really hard, some things are really easy, and can we by connecting with the breath and the drishti and working on being as fluid as possible, uh, by showing up the six days a week, by taking one day off to rest, by designing our whole life around this practice, can we learn to go beyond pleasure and go beyond pain? Can the can we find equanimity rather than uh, addiction to pleasure and aversion to pain? And our whole world is struggling with this right we want to feel good all the time we want the next thing and even some present-day yoga sells you this idea that your yoga practice should feel good all the time it should just do what you feel when you feel practice when you feel and i just think we're really selling ourselves short if that's how we're going to practice i've noticed i mean some of you have probably noticed just watching me on social media like I've gotten very strong recently and I'm getting lighter and stronger and clearer by doing uh, a very consistent practice. Um, I've been doing Mysore for, you know, over 50 days since I kind of got back into the Ashtanga. And I don't really notice in the moment that that's happening. What I notice in the moment is my back's a little sore. It's hard to get up. Why can't I do this? I used to be able to do this. I'm, you know, like feel like eating bad food late at night. 
Why do I have to get up so early? Like all of this stuff that is not a person who feels like doing that. But as I do it, I start to notice like I'm more in tune with the natural rhythm of nature. Um, I, I don't struggle like putting my shoes on or uh, I don't, I'm not like dragging my ass around the house all day. I'm high, I have energy, I'm clear. My teaching is so much more uh, profound and deep and wise and I'm finding space because I'm showing up. But while I'm showing up, I'm not like, isn't this great? I mean, I just love this. I, I am struggling, but by being consistent in the struggle, going beyond you know, the attachment to feeling good, staying in bed, eating pancakes, uh, you know, or whatever, just like whatever I crave at the time, going beyond that and attuning myself to the natural rhythm, the alarm clock goes off for, at 3.35 a.m., y'all. And when that happens, every part of me is like, why am I doing this? But... You know, the way I'm able to show up and serve the people who are in the Tatva's Yoga Studies program, the way I'm able to show up and serve my daughter on a daily basis, uh, I'm feeling strong. When I look in the mirror, I like what I see. I look myself in the eyes in the mirror. I'm, I'm proud of who I am. And that's coming out of that consistent practice of going beyond the duality of pleasure and pain that Krishna is talking about here. And, you know, it's worth it. The practice is worth it. But the practice is hard. It's not just a pleasant, nice time. However, if you do it consistently, it will become more natural. And that's the that's the aim. And as it becomes more natural, then you don't have to struggle so much, even though aspects of it may be difficult. Ever aware of the self, the wise go forward to the eternal goal. Your body's going to change. Your body's going to have pain. Your body's going to feel good. Your body's going to do things it likes. Your body's going to do things it doesn't like. And and the focus here is who am I in relationship to this? Who do you want to be in this life? And is your practice supporting that? You know, because your practice is there to serve you with this constant uh, awareness of the eternal self, which is the goal. That's the goal, to know who you are. The beginning of spiritual practice is the question, who am I? And the spiritual practice itself is the constant checking in on that process of revealing the diamond. (laughs) That was good, right? Good segue. Neither the sun nor the moon nor fire can add to that inner light. It's bright. Like uh, Guru Nanak said, it's saibang, it's self-illuminated. It glows from within. It's already glowing. It's already glowing. It's already infinite light. That's you. This is my supreme abode. And those who enter there do not return to separate existence. They have self-realization. God-realization. Yoga, oneness with God. An eternal part of me enters into the world assuming the powers of action and perception and a mind made of prakriti, of nature, the qualities of nature. When the divine self enters and leaves a body, it takes these along as the wind carries the scent from place to place. 
Using the mind, ears, eyes, nose, and the senses of taste and touch, the self enjoys the sense objects. So we enjoy uh, nature through the sense objects. And then as yogis, we practice a pratyahara, which is to have a healthy relationship with the senses so that the senses are not being pulled out constantly by this addiction to pleasure and aversion of pain, but rather we're just learning to be very present with what is, you know, to live life fully as a householder and yet also doing the practice where, you know, you, you can consider is this action that I'm about to participate in, that I'm about to take in through the senses, is it in support of dharma or is it just a karmic uh, response, like a habitual patterning? And I'm allowing the program to define what I'm experiencing. You with me? The deluded do not see the self when it leaves the body or when it dwells within it. So if you've forgotten who you are, if you're living behind the veil of illusion, the illusion of separateness, then you won't see the self leave the body at the time of death, and you also won't see it while you're living in your body. You won't see the self enjoying the sense objects or acting through the gunas. See, all of nature is just the gunas acting. It's these qualities of sattva, rajas, and tamas, the qualities of nature, just constantly at work. Right? But they who have the wisdom to see, those who strive resolutely on the path of yoga, they see the self within. I know who I am in relationship to all of these changes. I know I'm going to feel pain. I know I'm going to experience sickness. I know I'm going to experience death. I know I'm going to experience love. I know I'm going to experience beauty. I know I'm going to experience laughter. I know all of these things. Life, birth, death, rebirth, it's constantly unfolding. And there's some part of me that is not affected by that. That's what the yogi's interested in. So that we can go through these inevitable changes and experience nature for what it is. The brightness of the sun, which lights up the world, the brightness of the moon and of fire, these are my glory. With a drop of my energy, I enter the earth and support all creatures. This is an important thing to note. Often when people are new to studying the Gita, they think, okay, this is a book about war and justifying violence. Now, you have to reconsider that for a second and think this is a book about love. And it, as it is a book about love, you've got to notice this. When Arjuna is faced with this task to stand up and fight against injustice, Ultimately, the question is, with the tiaga or the uh, renunciation of fruits of action, is what is the most loving, compassionate response to this particular karma or situation? And in this book, what Krishna is saying is it's best to stand up against injustice. And yes, there will be harm that's done. And we want to go away from that as best we can. But we also understand that the nature of nature is that there's going to be pain and suffering. And so for us, sometimes we may have to make difficult decisions to act in a way that is compassionate and loving. And it might not always be gentle and it might not always be easy. 
Love is hard. Like the Nazareth song, love hurts. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes we need to make that hard decision, that tough love decision. And in every situation we're in, he's encouraging us to recognize that every being in front of us is the self, is Krishna, is our beloved. And us, as students of yoga, are going to do our very best to choose the most loving action possible, knowing that we will cause harm, but doing our best, everything in our power, to care for every being in front of us, as it is our own arms and legs and back and chest and belly and eyes and tongue. Every being in front of us is us. It's like the Buddha said, you know, before enlightenment, you, you go for a walk and stand by the river. After enlightenment, you are the river. It's a similar teaching. So he's saying that he is in all of life, that all of life is Krishna. Through the moon, the vessel of life-giving fluid, I nourish all plants. I enter breathing creatures and dwell within as the life-giving breath. I am the fire of the stomach, the agni, that digests all food. Entering into every heart, I give the power to remember and understand. It is I again who take that power away. All the scriptures lead to me. And now, don't get all dogmatic and religious on me. He's talking about oneness. All the scriptures are pointing to this interdependent reality. True knowledge. True knowledge is understanding that the being in front of you is you. That's what he's saying. You with me? So all the scriptures lead to that. For this oneness, this Krishna, is their author. It is the wisdom of the scriptures, this oneness, this knowing, this true knowledge, this jnana. In this world, there are two orders of being, the perishable, separate creature, and the changeless spirit. So the body drops away. The spirit lives forever. And, and the interesting thing about the body, it drops away and becomes something else. That's inevitable. And I was joking to some Tattva students this weekend, and I said, you know, if, if you were to die and somebody dug a hole in your backyard and dumped you in the hole, w- would that be the end of, you know, your body? No, it would become something else. And would it be the end of your thoughts maybe in that form potentially you know like your heart's still not your heart's not pumping in the same way but it becomes something else but what about your spirit does it live on of course it lives on how could it not it's like when uh, ramana maharishi was going to come to the end, end of his life and he was sick and his devotees were weeping and said, oh, you know, don't leave us, Guruji. And he said, have I not taught you anything? Where could I go? Just the body is going to change form. I don't go anywhere. I am the supreme self. 
Krishna goes on to say that I am the Supreme Self praised by the scriptures as beyond the changing and the changeless. Those who see in me that Supreme Self truly, they have found the source of all wisdom. They understand true knowledge that all of life is interconnected and interdependent, that there is only one beingness. This is the source of all wisdom, Arjuna. Those who know this worship me with all their heart. They see the teacher everywhere. They see the guru everywhere. Every moment is an opportunity for practice. I have shared this profound truth with you, Arjuna. Those who understand it will attain wisdom. They will have done that which has to be done. And we practice like that. Practice simply because it must be done. And if you can, bring devotion to the practice because it's the most effective way to experience this true knowledge, this supreme reality that we call yoga. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. That was chapter 15 of the Bhagavad Gita. To become a student of the Tattvas Yoga Studies Program, go to tattvas, that's T-A-T-T-V-A-S, yoga.com, and register today. If you love the show, please share it with your friends, rate us, review us, and we will see you next Monday for a further exploration in the Bhagavad Gita, right here on Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiaga Prem.